0: This is the Birth Village Podcast. Hi everybody, welcome back to the Birth Village Podcast. I'm Morgan. And I'm Trisha. And today we have an episode for you about birth beliefs We had a lot of people write into this So when we were originally planning on doing this episode It was just going to be a one and done episode But we decided to turn it into two parts When we started recording it, we already did an introduction So we're just going to jump into that But we did want to let you know that this is part one And stay tuned next week for part two There was some confusion last week with the business of documentaries. We just had some miscommunication, misunderstandings. So we thought that the documentary was going to be available for everyone to watch for free. What they did was give us a coupon code. So it takes $2 off of the total price. You can watch it for $10 for 30 days, which honestly is still a really amazing deal. It's an amazing documentary. We would highly, highly recommend that you go see it. There's a lot of good information um, and a lot of a lot of good stuff to be learned. And this ties in with last week's episode on history and also this week's episode on the beliefs that we have, because it's really good to check yourself and to make sure that what you believe is is what you want to believe and, and actually true, not just dogma or indoctrination. So go check out the business of being born. You can click on the link in our Instagram bio to use the coupon. Or you can also use the code Birth Village if you check out on Amazon Prime or on their Vimeo, which again, that will be linked in the show notes and on our Instagram. We are discussing some beliefs about birth today. We've had a handful of people write in to tell us some beliefs that they currently have that they've heard other people have, uh, just different things about birth, different beliefs that people have about birth. And we're going to read the submissions and talk about them today.
1: I can't wait. I'm so excited. Me
0: too. <laughs> Trish, do you want to talk a little bit about why we wanted to do an episode like this?
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, first of all, um, it is Women's History Month. Yes. And we just um, released the episode last week on the history of childbirth in America. So that was very important. And You know, there are so many different birth beliefs um, going around in society Mm -hmm. because of what's happened in our past and that's why we felt like it was so important for the history to be talked about first. And then we want to help people understand and kind of break down the reasoning behind some of these myths or birth beliefs that they have had. Mm -hmm. And that's why we just wanted to talk about it. And we put it out to the public for at least a month or so, Morgan. About, to ask yeah. questions. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot and that's really exciting because we you know, this isn't just about what me and Morgan <laughs> think or yeah. Well, kind of, but <laughs> <laughs> but um we want to really answer the community and, you know, have this be something that people are learning from mm-hmm. and, and understanding Just because someone said something does not make that truth. Mm -hmm. And also with us too, Morgan, just because we said something doesn't mean that that's truth for you either. Mm -hmm. So we definitely want to put a disclaimer out there and say, we are not medical professionals. Right. We are definitely voicing our opinions, but we will try to back a lot of our opinions by actual research or um, experiences that we have had in the birth community to help us understand why that is definitely just a belief and not, not solely truth. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. And whatever narrative you are
0: given about birth tends to be the one that you stick to. Yes. And it's important for everyone to always question the beliefs that you have just to make sure that you're progressing as a human being. And Birth specifically, beliefs surrounding birth are some that are really hard to crack and hard to question and it can get pretty ugly. People have some really strongly rooted beliefs in uh, whatever they believe in about birth. And-
1: uh, Well, it's personal, that's why. Yeah. Because we all, especially if we're a mother, we've all Mm -hmm. had a very personal experience with birth. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a mother- most of us yeah. <laughs> that we know, um, she has very personal experiences and information about birth. Now, yeah. with that being said, me being an older generation than Morgan, my mom didn't talk about birth ever. Really? Yeah, it was something you didn't talk about. Like it was just something that happened to you and you do not recognize it anymore. Oh my and it's like she almost didn't remember, you know, like she sure. didn't want to remember. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't grow up at all talking about birth with my mother um any actual woman anything yeah (laughs) yeah so yeah so it's it's a hard one yeah a lot of people for sure
0: Mm. so anyway we just want to break that down we want to open up a discussion we want to learn from you guys if you have stories to share or things to talk about but we also have a lot to share so yes that's what, that's what we're doing today. Okay. Should we jump into Let's it? Let's
1: get to it. Yeah.
0: Um, we have kind of categorized the submissions. Some are kind of, uh, there's repeating themes yes. throughout. So I think what we should start on maybe is our home birth theme. Yeah. Let's get going. Yeah. Okay. Here's the first submission. What do you do if something goes wrong with an at-home birth? Complications happen all the time, but at a hospital, there's at least immediate help there. Is there a higher risk of complications or death with an at-home birth? Oh, what a good question.
1: And a belief that I hear a lot. Yeah. You know, almost every single couple that is considering home birth, that is one of the main questions that they have is, well, what if something happens? And I always say, well, give me an example. Because through time and through beliefs and through our own experiences, we all have an example of a Mm -hmm. complication that we've heard about, seen firsthand, whether it was to us or not. So here's the thing that I always will say to someone when they have this specific question. First of all, I want to know what the complication is because there is a plethora (laughs) of complications that we could cover. But what I will tell you from experience, being at a home birth versus a hospital There's a lot more going on at the hospital, meaning a lot more medications, a lot more monitoring, Mm -hmm. um, a a lot of different people coming in and out that are in charge. It's not just the midwife that's in charge of everything going on with your body. You have different nurses, you have different doctors, because even if you have your one doctor in St. George, we have a hospitalist that's always there on staff Mm -hmm. and this person can see your chart at all times and- because they're on staff, they can walk in at any time and say their opinion, whether your doctor's there or not. And be a part and of your yeah, experience. And, exactly. And they'll come in and and do a certain procedure and everyone's just like, well, not everyone, me, <laughs> mm. I'm like, well, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, so um, let me give you an example. All of a sudden a baby's heart rate isn't looking the way that they want it to look. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's a problem with the monitoring system. So I had one time in the middle of the night when the doctor was at their house, a hospitalist walks in and says, we need to put an internal um, heart. Let's see. I think there's a, there's a term for it. Wow. Sorry. I wasn't expecting to say this, but I just need <laughs> to give you an example. Yeah. This It's an internal heart rate monitor on the baby. So there's a little, for lack of a, different word, screw, that they basically just kind of screw into the top of the baby's head. Mm-hmm. It's very light. I mean, it's not like going to puncture.
0: I've heard him say it's like a when you put, put a safety pin through your dead skin on your finger or something. Y-
1: yes, kind of. It's what I've heard it, does, it be explained. It, it like. definitely does leave a mark. So where a safety pin wouldn't necessarily leave a mark because mm-hmm. you are going to be drawing blood. But because of this internal monitoring system, they have an exact heart rate for this baby because it is placed in their head yeah (laughs) their skin so so that would be an example of we we're not getting a good heart rate now i've seen these placed multiple times and i've never seen a bad outcome of a baby Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. but that's this is my opinion yeah this is my birth belief you know these are what you've experienced yeah like why was that so necessary? but it was for everybody in the room to feel more comfortable mm-hmm. you know, and by everybody, you mean the doctors and the nurses, yeah, not necessarily the parents, but maybe the parents do too. I mean, if they're feeling nervous about yeah, the heart rate, yeah. yeah, you hear a lot of times the parents be like, "I'm fine with continuous monitoring because I want to see how my baby's doing." yeah, so that would just be one incident where, um, this complication that so-called complication of them not being able to get a good heart rate, which babies are moving around a lot mm-hmm. and a mom's position could alter things. You know, a mom could start getting stressed out, maybe going through transition. Mm-hmm. Maybe a baby is starting to mold their heartbeat changes you yeah. know, constantly throughout the birth process. So, you know, so if someone is saying well what if there's a heartbeat issue at home well the midwife would say hey you know what I don't feel comfortable with these heart tones we need to head in Mm -hmm. so we would head in but that's only happened one time that I've ever seen in the 16 years I've been attending home births yeah and everything was fine by the way the the thing that people need to understand is midwives aren't heroes (laughs) they are not gonna come in there and be like I got this we don't right I'm in charge no they're you are in charge the Mm -hmm. mother that's that's delivering her baby is in charge and the baby's in charge too yeah so if they see anything that's going on they're going to be like hey you know what i'd feel more comfortable if we were in the hospital setting Mm -hmm. but it's pretty rare there's you know let's
0: talk about um one thing that people came to me with concerns about mm -hmm. when i was preparing for my home birth Mm -hmm. was hemorrhaging Mm -hmm. do you want to touch on that at all
1: yeah for sure Did you hemorrhage?
0: No. Okay.
1: (laughs) So hemorrhaging is um, when, after the baby is born, Mm -hmm. the mother obviously is going to be bleeding because when her placenta releases, she has a very large placenta size wound that is going to be squirting blood out of it, you know, because this blood supply was heading into the the placenta. Yeah. So obviously this um, woman's uterus needs to contract so that that. Bleeding will stop. But yes, there's going to be a pretty substantial amount of blood. About two cups really is the norm. Okay, And two cups is a lot, especially when you pour two cups like on a Chuck's pad. That looks pretty yeah. a lot. Where when a woman is delivering in the hospital, everything is kind of running into this little trash can underneath her body, mm-hmm. unless the bed isn't broken down. But most of the time the bed's broken down. So I don't know how they really can see how much blood is happening, but... Um, when a woman is starting to hemorrhage, you will definitely see a lot more blood, almost like a faucet has turned on. Okay. Okay. So in that case, yeah, we need medical intervention ASAP, Mm -hmm. you know? So when we're in the hospital, usually she's going to have an IV. They're going to just pump up that Pitocin, which by the way, they're already going to do that. Even if you've had, a very normal physiological birth and you're not bleeding at all, they're going to go ahead and give you the rest of the Pitocin that's in that bag. Like they will. Yeah. Um, so that your uterus will really clamp down tight. Now what are we going to do at a home birth? Well, all three of the midwives that I work with here in town are all licensed so Mm -hmm. they can carry Pitocin with them, but they also have so many other ways to stop a bleed. Yeah. In a physiological birth, meaning a birth that has had no medication and is pretty undisturbed. um, Sorry. If
0: you can hear, we've got a doggy (laughs) visitor. She's just hanging out. She's she's fine. She
1: just wants a little attention. But if you hear, that's what it (laughs) is. She's just piping up. It's better than Bo. I mean, Bo would yeah. just be like yelling at us and like, hey. Oh, he's a chatty play. guy <laughs> these
0: days. He would be saying all the words he knows.
1: Duck, car. Yeah.
0: Okay. <laughs> exactly. Quack, quack.
1: So <laughs> So, anyways, so in a home birth, um, yes, they do have a Tosin. Um, every once in a while, I'll hear the midwife say, "Draw, draw some up. Just in case. But usually the bleeding will stop pretty quick. You yeah. know, it's just about five or so minutes after that placenta comes out is when we really need that uterus to clamp down. Mm-hmm. And as long as it does quickly on its own, then, you know, we're fine. Mm-hmm. But um, I've only seen Pitocin administered at home a couple of times. But the amount of times I hear a midwife say draw some up, a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. But they Rarely have to use it. It's just precautionary. Mm-hmm. They use a lot of different herbal supplements and homeopathics as well, um, before like um, tinctures called like placenta ease or, you know, something to help, you know, with contractions or whatever. Yeah. So they do have a lot of other things, but obviously, Pitocin works really quick, really mm-hmm. fast. So in the hospital, when a woman has been. Either she's been induced or Pitocin came a part of her protocol during her birth, you know. When we introduce medicine, we take away the physiological process, you know. Yeah. Even if a mother is able to birth without drugs, meaning pain-relieving type of drugs, mm-hmm. she it's still not... Uh, Physiological birth because she's had Pitocin on board. Right. Meaning her own oxytocin wasn't doing the quote unquote trick. Okay? Yeah. They wanted to manage it a little bit better. They wanted to get things moving, you know. Mm-hmm. So she's going to have Pitocin in the hospital where obviously at home that would never happen. Right. You know, for ab- absolutely no reason. They're going to use things like let's go on a walk or nipple stimulation or anything like that's going to help to move a labor along versus Pitocin. So, but when we introduce Pitocin in a labor, then after the baby comes out and after the placenta comes out, the likelihood of her natural hormones like oxytocin Mm -hmm. is not going to be doing the job that it needs to be doing like if we wouldn't have messed with things before. Does that make sense?
0: So you're saying um, if her body did, the whole birthing process on its own, the likelihood of her needing um, medication after the fact to help with complications is really low because her body's going to be handling it because it's been handling it the whole time. Yes.
1: Yes. And this is a truth that I obviously believe we can Mm -hmm. call it a myth if you want, but you know, medical professionals do not know this truth. Mm. They haven't been trained in this truth. Um, specifically, the nurses, because the doctor is out of there. Yeah, you, it doesn't matter if you're hemorrhaging or not. Yeah, the nurses are the ones taking care of you. Yeah. you know, you might have someone walk in if like, or they might call someone, but the nurses are the one taking care of you. Mm-hmm. So the nurses want to extra, double, triple make sure we don't have a hemorrhage in here. Mm-hmm. So they want you to be on Pitocin and attack which they insert little cytotech pills into your rectum Mm -hmm. after birth, just to make sure your uterus will clamp down because they're scared. So they're doing a lot of preventative
0: things before they're even seeing, is your body handling this fine on its own or do we need to handle something? And that's probably the big, a big difference between hospital and home is in the hospital, they're taking more preventative action and at home, we're gonna see what actions we need to take.
1: Right. Right. Well, yeah, so because birth isn't not an emergency. No, it's not a sickness,
0: no. it's not but there's a lot of pathology surrounding birth. Yes, in like yeah. a hospital setting.
1: Well, and yeah, and the natural body is is going to heal itself if mm-hmm. you give it time. Mm-hmm. But that's the quote-unquote complications that arise in the hospital. Usually they're not letting things happen. Like Mm -hmm. if a baby comes out and is not breathing right away, they want to quickly cut the cord and take it over to the warmer and work on the baby. What if we actually kept the cord attached? Because it's providing oxygen. (laughs) The life source that this baby has been getting oxygen for, for the last nine months. How about we keep that intact, Mm -hmm. put baby on mom's chest and comfort the baby, talk to the baby and you know, stimulate the baby as well. Yeah, This in my opinion, now, This might be a truth to me. It might be a myth to someone else. But, you know, from what I've seen, it uh, works. It works. Yeah. Yeah. And the one place that your baby does not want to be is in the warming station across the room (laughs) from you. They want to smell you, feel you, Mm -hmm. hear you, you know, um, and they will be very attracted to that and want to breathe because mm-hmm. their mother is filling them and talking to them mm-hmm. versus a medical professional that's being very very rough with them and stunning them you know they're
0: they're more comfortable be having as many um as many similarities as possible to when they were in the womb right because it's all that they've ever known for their entire existence right
1: yeah yeah, so I wish this question would have said a specific complication. Sure. I've just given you a couple of different complications, quote unquote, mm-hmm. complications that that I could perceive as, well, what if these happen at home? So, right. So, you know, the bottom line to this question is, when we don't mess with physiological birth, we usually don't have a complication.
0: It typically goes better than Yes.
1: But midwives, like I said, will never try to be a hero. They will be a huge heads up. In a physiological birth, the body is the one telling the story. When Mm -hmm. a woman is not medicated, girl is telling her story Mm -hmm. out loud. Yeah, And you know exactly what's happening with her. But when she's medicated, we don't have a lot of ideas of what's going on with her body. A vaginal check is really the only way. And her blood pressure, Mm -hmm. and you know, her heart rate and stuff. But, so yeah. So I hope that that kind of answers that question with the complications
0: yeah i just i think that it is important to highlight the fact that you're not like shoved in a in a closet and go figure this out on your own yeah midwives are very trained and there are things that they do that actually really do help move things along like you said going for a walk or these herbal remedies and stuff like Mm -hmm. that they really do work Mm -hmm. it's just that people are they sound scary to people people don't trust that they work because they don't have experience with it right but when we know that hey going for a walk does actually help get things moving longer nipple stimulation because of the oxytocin that it's providing or mm-hmm. so many different things yeah. people don't necessarily trust them but the midwives can trust them they've seen it work time and time yeah. and time again and transfer is is an option if it's necessary and like you said midwives aren't going to be a hero Mm -hmm. they're not going to try to say no i we're not going to transfer you i got this like if a transfer is necessary it's going to happen
1: right exactly and it's low it's like five percent yeah so just so everyone knows like there's a lot more complications happening over at the hospital yeah and in my opinion my belief is it's all the medicine that they're handing out over there yeah
0: okay Here's the next one about home birth. Let's hear it. This one is that home births are only for the hippie crunchy people (laughs) and that home birth is inherently dangerous. The hospital births are inherently safer, that birth needs to be medicalized to be safer. We touched on that a tiny bit. Yeah. Um, I think we can, I mean, you've seen all kinds of people have home Mm -hmm. births, not just hippie crunchy people. Yes, yes. Why does it have that
1: reputation? Well, I think that when we don't trust the medical system that's put in place at our hospital, then that makes us one of those outliers that we talked about, yeah, you know, last week. It makes us be one of those, you know, crazy people that doesn't <laughs> trust the the government, the system, you know. Yeah. But it, it's not true. I mean, Yeah. Maybe some people, you know, like some people freaking live out in the woods and have solar panels and (laughs) literally do free birth, you know, like, yeah, those, those, what is a free birth? Oh, so a free birth is a birth that's not attended by any medical professional. Yeah. So just no midwife, no No midwife. yeah, Yeah. The husband takes care of it all. And, um, yeah. That's a free birth. Okay. So, and that is happening in our society. Mm-hmm. And I would say maybe, I wouldn't even say that they're some of the crunchiest most hippie <laughs> people I've met, but they just understand the process. So mm-hmm. when people say something like, oh, that's just like hippie or scary or dumb or whatever, well, it's like, well, you don't know enough about it to make that. hmm You've said that before. If you think yeah. something's weird, maybe learn a little bit more exactly. about it. Yeah, like why would they be choosing that? Mm-hmm. Um, let's do some research and find out why. Yeah. And really the best research is just experience. Mm-hmm. And so maybe you go to the hospital and have an experience that you're like, whoa, yeah, that didn't go the way I was thinking it would. Yeah. And then maybe the next time you say, I want something different. So you do your research and then do a home birth. And does that make you a hippie, crunchy mom? <laughs> I mean- Depends on who's putting the label on. Exactly, yeah. So that's just a weird label that people put on things. But yeah, like Morgan said that I always say, if you think that something's dumb or weird, you probably just don't know enough about Mm -hmm. it. Like let's do some research and um, figure it out. Because I'm I'm attending a lot of home births and I would say maybe like one out of 20 is like a girl that's like, you know, she's a homeschooler. She's a... (laughs) She's a reusable diaper girl, yeah. you know? <laughs> Morgan. Um, I mean. You're calling me out? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> but, you know, it, it doesn't go hand in hand. Right. Because women deserve more when it comes to their birth. and yeah. And they just want to fill it, mm-hmm. you know? And, and they want it pretty undisturbed. And that's not going to happen in the hospital. You're going to be mm-hmm. pretty disturbed
0: there. Yeah. So. It's not necessarily crunchy people. It's just people that... Know what their options are and decide that they like this option.
1: Yeah. Who is the singer just recently that posted about her birth at home? Was are you thinking of Hillary Duff? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Hillary Duff. Yeah. Is she a crunchy hippie girl? No, really. Not Not Cindy Crawford. (laughs) Guess what? Cindy Crawford had home birth. (laughs) Really? Yeah. And I hate to put. (laughs) I can't stand it when (laughs) celebrities think that they know everything because they're a celebrity. But (laughs) when it comes to home birth, I'm like, yeah, this girl's got it going on. But (laughs) yeah, it that that's a total myth and i see some very well educated um people that have a lot of money choosing mm-hmm. home birth because they know better. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the bottom line. What
0: about the part that asks if it's safer to be in the hospital? I it, it feels like we sort of talked about that with the last thing complications yeah. tend tend to come up more often in the hospital because right. of the interventions but
1: well and if you're planning a home birth you have to be very low risk Mm -hmm. there can't be any high risk anything about your body or your baby so they say you will risk out of home birth if you have a b or c that means like uh high blood pressure really high blood pressure um preeclampsia uh, Mm -hmm. gestational diabetes unless it's not only controlled by food you Mm -hmm. know there's a lot of things that will risk you out. And Mm -hmm. so obviously it will be quote unquote safer for a more high risk woman to deliver in the hospital because yeah, they're going to probably need some medicine for her, Mm -hmm. you know, but a a very healthy, you know, low risk woman is, is going to be very safe at home.
0: Perfectly safe at home. Yes. Love it. All right. This one says, The belief is you have an easier time being in control of your birth at home. You have an easier time making choices and having your choices respected. Obviously, home birth isn't an option for everyone, but I personally believe that if it's an option, it's the best one.
1: Well, that's a great belief. (laughs) (laughs) Similar to yours? Yeah, that's very similar to my belief.
0: I'd say similar to mine as well. I mean... It just you have to fight for your choices in the hospital a little bit more than you do at a home birth. And this is coming from, hi, I only had one birth and it was at home. But from what I've heard people say, from the stories I've heard from friends, family, uh, it seems like you're definitely in full control at home. And then in the hospital, sometimes you do have to fight a little bit. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, yeah, and in a physiological birthing process, we, we don't ever want to be fighting with someone or Yeah, it's a disruption, not, necess- not necessarily even fighting, but just like s- having to stand up for like, no, thank you. I, I yeah. don't want that right in the middle of a contraction. Yeah. Or, Can you please not bug my monitor while I'm contracting? Like mm-hmm. I'll rip your eyeballs out, <laughs> you know, like w- in a, at a home birth setting, a midwife would never like Doppler her right in the middle of a contraction or make right. her move for some reason, you know, like she's going to wait for that contraction to be over. And it's just a calmer, quieter, um, more respected space, space. Yeah. Where at the hospital, you know, these, these nurses, they've got a job to do. And if they don't do their job, then their job is on the line, you know, and they have to have specific things happening in their notes for their job to be okay. Mm -hmm. And so they will disturb anyone at any time, make her get out of the water, make her come back to the bed. You can't go to the bathroom right now. We have to do this. Like, Because they have
0: procedures they have to follow. They have policies.
1: Right. So, so it's not... (sighs) yeah i mean (laughs) that's just hard it's hard hard because
0: everybody needs to do what feels right for them we say that i feels like every single week but it's true everybody needs to do whatever their gut is telling them to do but home birth is a really good option if you are eligible right because yeah yeah, i mean let's see you don't you don't want you go into your birth experience knowing that you don't want an epidural guess who's showing up in your room to introduce themselves just in case mm-hmm. the anesthesiologist yeah and it's i don't know
1: yeah like why are it's you disturbing here? A like, little go bit? go away we didn't yeah. invite you in here mm-hmm. but that's the thing it's it's, not your, it's space. not your space we can make it as much as possible which kind of would lead into that last thing
0: yeah here's the last home birth um submission or the submission that talks about home birth can you have the same sort of natural birth experience, but in a hospital? Is that allowed? <laughs> Is it allowed?
1: <laughs> I mean, that that word right there, allowed, will tell you the answer to this question. Like, no one gets to allow you to do anything when you're in labor. It's up to you. You are the boss. Mm-hmm. So, and I always say that to my clients who really take charge of their situation in the hospital. I'm like, you're the boss. Mm -hmm. And I'll say it when the nurses and the doctors in there, like, well, let's ask the boss, like what does the boss want? Like they need to know she is the boss. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't for her, they wouldn't be having a job. Yeah. You know, so she is the boss. Yeah. And my clients are my boss too. Mm -hmm. Like I work for them. Yeah. And so whatever they want. So can we make it the same? No, we can't because we're constantly reminding people who the boss is Mm -hmm. at home there's no reminder of that. Mm -hmm. So it's just, that's probably the biggest difference, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, Like we, I mean, even to get admitted into the hospital while you're in labor, your body has to be doing a certain thing. Mm -hmm. Like I've labored with a, a mom in triage for like, two or three hours because Whoa. they wouldn't admit her yet. Cause her cervix wasn't far along enough, mm. but we needed a bathtub. Like I just kept saying to nurse, please like, I just need to get her into a bathtub. And Cause she's you like, know huh?
0: that it's going to progress once she gets into yeah. the bathtub.
1: Yeah. And literally she was in the most uncomfortable triage room. None of the ones were open that had their own bathroom. So she had to keep walking outside of her room all the way down the hall to the bathroom. Oh, gosh. And finally I was like, okay like you have to admit her mm-hmm. as soon she finally went from like a, a like a four to a four plus like she just i'm like any change yeah like any change in that cervix you're admitting her yeah so we finally i mean there was multiple vaginal checks on this and there was pressure mm-hmm. you know so much pressure put on this girl to have her body perform mm-hmm. just so she could get more comfortable like mm-hmm. that makes zero sense right as soon as we got her to into us, the room, anyway, into yeah, us, makes
0: zero sense.
1: Soon, as we, but this nurse was just doing protocol.
0: She had to do her job. She had to, like, yeah. if
1: she admitted her and she wasn't really in labor or whatever, it would—it's her butt on the line. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, we got her in there. We got her in the tub and literally she had her baby within an hour. Oh like my gosh, she just needed <laughs> some that. comfort measures. Yes. Mm-hmm. So if if she wouldn't have had a doula there with her, like at least trying, like trying to understand, like why, like that would have been even more of a hard situation for her. So yeah. can we make it like home? We do our best. We do our best. Yeah.
0: Here's something else to address maybe is the, cause whoever wrote in did quote unquote natural birth and the, the phrase natural birth has a different meaning for every single right. person on the planet. <laughs> and so it kind of depends on what you meant, whoever wrote in but you can have if you if you want to know if you can have an unmedicated birth at the hospital yeah of course yeah. if you want to know if you can have an uninterrupted probably not yeah if you want to know so it just depends on kind of what you meant by natural birth you can have a very very beautiful birth experience in the hospital and you can have an unmedicated experience in the hospital but uh, de- yeah depends on your definition of natural
1: yeah and just, be aware that you're going to have to know a lot about navigating the hospital system having to do with their protocols and their procedures Mm -hmm. and understanding them so that you can navigate them in a very easy way instead of like a get out of my face type of a way Mm -hmm. you know so i i always say when when something comes up like they want to do an intervention or something then i always will use the verbiage like and we understand why you're offering that because mm-hmm. we know that you have to have A, B, and C happening mm-hmm. for this birth. But would there be any way possible we could get at least like another hour or something? You know, so yeah. if you understand why they're doing it, you can usually get around it. Mm-hmm. So as long as mom and baby are okay, of course.
0: And maybe you need a doula there to be an advocate for you. One,
1: percent <laughs> It's not Especially, a it especially it is, if
0: you're yeah. in... Um, if you have these certain things that you want to do and Mm -hmm. when you're in labor, you might not have the wherewithal to, Mm -hmm. to turn something down. You you can't even process the question that they're asking you or be able to make that decision in the moment necessarily
1: because you're laboring. Right. Right. Yeah. That's why it is so beneficial. Another birth belief that I, people ask me all the time, oh, do you only do home births because you're doing natural births? I'm like, oh no most of my clients deliver at the hospital because mm-hmm. those are the w- women that really need a doula Yeah, because we're there as kind of like, I don't want to say a protector, but I'm, I'm like protecting her space. You know, yeah. I'm not protecting her body or her baby. You know, I'm just, I mean, I guess in some way, but I'm <laughs> protecting her space mm-hmm. so that it can be the most calm gentle environment possible because we know that's how more oxytocin is going to be released yeah definitely called the doula effect Mm -hmm. for a reason Mm -hmm. you know so yeah if you're birthing in the hospital even if you're like yo i'm going to get the epidural too you should probably have a a doula there as well yeah because she's going to know all the things and she's going to get you so much further in the process before the epidural is Mm -hmm. placed so the likelihood of you know, your baby coming down in an optimal position, just so many things that a doula can do. It's not just, you know, <laughs> <it's> Yeah,
0: just, <laughs> Here's another belief that I have have heard. I think it's, oh, not so much a, a belief necessarily, but things that people don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, is that there is plenty of laboring that has to happen prior to an epidural being placed. Right. And you might need help through that. And right. yeah. I think people think, "Oh, I'm just going to go get an epidural, so no big deal." Mm-hmm. Um, but it sort of is still a big deal because there's yeah. there's a laboring that happens in between labor starting and getting an epidural. Right. So yeah, you should be prepared, even mm-hmm. if you want to get an epidural. Yeah,
1: and that word calm, like you just need a very calming presence. Yeah, and if if your partner can't give that to you, then that's where a doula would definitely come mm-hmm. in handy.
0: So because the partner's going through some. Yeah. A crazy experience He's too. too. He's mm-hmm. just
1: like, oh, I don't like that noise she's making. You know, I'm like, uh-huh. it's fine. Maybe she's he doesn't <laughs> know how to help
0: too. Yeah. It's a, there's a lot of nerves going yeah, on there. For sure. Yeah. These men are mm, doing I what know. they can.
1: They really are. <laughs> Bless their little hearts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you, let's have you read our next one. Okay.
1: Okay. So the next one is infection setting in, quote, unquote, quickly. If water ruptures or breaks, so even if you're not very far in dilation, you have to get Pitocin to Mm. get going for safety reasons.
0: (laughs) So like if your water breaks. Yeah. This is.
1: So the question is kind of saying, or, you know, the quote is saying, is infection going to set in very quickly after your water is ruptured, basically.
0: And or do you have to get Pitocin quickly after your water ruptures?
1: The answer obviously is no, Mm -hmm. especially if you're not having a lot of vaginal checks. So some women's water will break before their contractions even start. Mm -hmm. If you listen to Morgan's birth story a few weeks ago, that was definitely her story, but her contractions started pretty quickly after her water broke, but she was having no pains at all before her water broke. Mm -hmm. So that (laughs) happens sometimes. Um, But also, women's labors can kick in really well and then her water will not even break until her baby's coming out you know yeah. so this whole water breaking thing there's just so many different ways it can go
0: lots of beliefs about water breaking yes <laughs> yeah
1: the movies really are not do doing us as dirty yeah any services because they make you think you have to rush to the hospital right so yeah if you do rush into the hospital and your water is broken you're not having any contractions yeah they will give you pitocin mm-hmm. cuz there's a lot of different um, tests and stuff that they'll do, but if they know that it's amniotic fluid, then they won't let you, I'm saying let you, but they highly recommend you don't leave. Mm-hmm. They want you to stay there. So it's really hard for a woman to leave once her waters broke. Mm-hmm. So um, if you're not having intercourse, getting in the bathtub a ton or having a lot of vaginal checks, which that is what's going to mm-hmm. be, inserting any type of infection into your body. Right. If you're not getting a lot of those and you're not, you know, doing the other things, then no, the possibility of infection is very, very low. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just, you just have to wait for your body to physiologically go into labor once Mm -hmm. the water's broke. So, so yeah, um, they like to put a time limit on it, 18 to 24 hours. Once water's broke, they in the hospital procedure, well, I guess it's more protocol is they want to give you antibiotics if it's been more than 24 hours. But I say 18 because some doctors are 18 hours.
0: Interesting. So
1: yeah, so they do have that belief going on over there at the hospital that you're more likely to ha- get an infection the longer it's been broken. And that's why they want to give you um Pitocin to get your labor going so that they don't have to. So as long as you're having good contractions, though, they will let water be broken for quite some time, you know? Okay. And if you keep telling them, no, I want to stay away from the antibiotics. Obviously, if I spike a fever or are showing any signs of infection, of course, I'll be yeah. willing to do the antibiotics. But until that time, no, thank you.
0: We don't, you're, as in, no, thank you to preventative yes. antibiotics. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I do have a... a, What about if there's meconium when the water breaks? Does that change things?
1: Well, yeah, as a doula, because I'm not a medical provider and I can't give medical advice, Mm -hmm. I always will tell the mom, do what feels best for you. Like if you want to hang out at home for a little while, the water's clear and your baby's moving a lot and you feel comfortable staying home until you get some good contractions, mm-hmm. then do that. But if there is meconium in the water, we know that the baby has had a bowel movement. So it might be an okay thing to go in and just have the baby monitored mm-hmm. for a while. Cause that's a, a sign that's saying, you know, baby was un, under a little bit of stress. So let's just be monitored. So yeah, um, that's the only time where I would say, you know, go ahead and go in. And the likelihood of getting Pitocin is pretty big if you're not contracting already. Right. But, um, you know, because physiologically your body has already started the process by your water breaking, mm-hmm. the likelihood of your body taking the Pitocin and being okay with it and just kicking right into labor is a way better likelihood than just, like a just walking elective induction yeah okay so your body's already kind of going through some of the the things you know so yeah but yeah now with that being said everyone needs to know meconium is not always a scary thing right you know it's just another sign you know and so even at a home birth when there's meconium they monitor the baby a little bit closer but you know it's not that big of a deal i've never seen any bad outcomes from meconium i'm not saying that there isn't any right but but i'm yeah we just have to be really good about suctioning the baby quickly after because yeah we don't want that meconium settling into their lungs yeah so that's the only thing which by the way when you're in the hospital and there's meconium the respiratory team will be attending your birth Mm -hmm. from the NICU there's usually two to three of these people and i say people because some of them are males Mm -hmm usually respiratory therapists are typically males. So it's a random male that you weren't planning on being at your birth. So if meconium is happening, the NICU team will be there, the respiratory therapist, just in case your baby needs some extra help. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will just politely say to this team, if they come in, if they're not already standing behind the curtain, I say, Hey, would you guys mind standing behind the curtain or just waiting on the outside of the room? Just, so, you know, she's birthing your baby. Yeah. And she doesn't know you, Yeah, <laughs> but we're glad that you're here. Just in case. Yeah. Um, And it's pretty rare that they have, well, in my experience, Mm -hmm. it's pretty rare that they have to do anything. Mm -hmm. As long as the baby's crying, we know the baby's just fine. So it's rare that they have to come in and actually do anything.
0: They're just there again preventatively. Yes. Lots
1: of prevention stuff going on over there. Okay. Because of rules and regulations. Yeah. They got to follow the rules. They They have to. They have to because then they could be held accountable if anything does go bad.
0: Yeah. Okay. We've got a couple people writing in about placenta things. Um, And we had someone message us asking if we would talk about placenta encapsulation. So I just wanted to let everybody know we will get to that. That's not for today. Um, Just because we're talking about strictly kind of birth things today, birth beliefs. But we had... I'm gonna read both of the placenta things and then we can kind of talk about placentas. The one says, when the doctor says your baby is too big and your placenta will stop working if we don't induce you. And the other one says that placentas begin to die after 41 weeks. They can get old and start to fail, but it doesn't happen as often as doctors think they do. So what Mm. do we know about placentas?
1: (laughs) This is such an interesting topic because I... I hear women getting induced a lot just because of, you know, too big baby placenta stops working. Yeah. Um, I was actually listening to reclaiming childbirth as a rite of passage Mm -hmm. by Rachel Reed. She's a midwife and a, like a scholar. So she's done a lot of research for Mm -hmm. 30 plus years and she talks a lot about this placenta and, um, you know, in our society, in the birth society, Usually doctors are looking for a reason. And, and yes, sometimes you'll see a placenta come out past 41 weeks, but I've even seen placentas earlier than that. Mm-hmm. And it does look different. You know, like placentas do, there's a lot of varying things having to do with placentas. Mm-hmm. You see really big, like thick, ones that are just like, look healthy, like a huge like piece of meat. Yeah, And then you'll see like a smaller one that's like a little bit, not as red, a little bit more discolored, maybe has some calcium deposits. What does that mean? I don't know. But what I do know is every birth that I've attended, no matter what the placenta looks like, Mm -hmm. baby comes out just fine. Mm. So um, as a part of the physiological process, I do believe that, yeah, your body starts Trying to get you into labor Mm. and your placenta not working as well would be one of the main things that would put you into labor because your baby's like, hey, I'm not getting all the same things as I was last week. So let's do this thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, so we don't know exactly the full facts on placentas and how they work. But what I do know will definitely come back to common sense is. When your body and your baby is ready to be birthed, that's going to happen, mm-hmm. whether you're 39 weeks or 41 weeks. Yeah. So, um, yeah, doctors obviously have seen a lot more than I have, and there are there is actual research that say once you get over 41 weeks, there's like a 0.01% chance higher that you will have um, complications with your baby or possible death. Oh. But it's 0.01% higher in a mom that's plus 41 weeks. Okay, So this leads them to go, what was happening? What's going on? And blaming the placenta, especially if it looks a little bit older or more be, maybe more calcified. Mm-hmm. You can actually like fill it. Like if you've ever felt a placenta, I don't know if you have yet. <laughs> more, I say yet because um, I'm sure someday you will. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I think I maybe did my own, but I can't yeah. remember.
1: Yeah, so some most of the time they're just just like a, a piece of really floppy meat. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, you'll see these little calcifications and it feels grainy. Mm-hmm. Like maybe it was starting to be done, mm-hmm. but it was still giving your baby blood.
0: And then baby got here before it was done. Right.
1: Because mm-hmm. your placenta is attached to your uterus mm-hmm. and everything that's coming through your placenta to your baby is coming through your body. It's not just the placenta doing this big job. Mm-hmm. It's attached to your body. Yeah. You know, it's like a I don't know, like a filter system or something. Yeah, it's like a, a portal. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> They're so cool. You guys are mm-hmm. so cool. But um but yeah there's a lot of different beliefs about placentas, mm-hmm. that's for sure.
0: Let's really quick address some ideas for people. If you have this okay let me backtrack a little bit. Sometimes when we're questioning ourselves and when we're looking at our own beliefs, we can use some logic and common sense to, to deduce if our beliefs are maybe true or not, but where can we turn to for answers to questions or to grow some new beliefs? And do you have any recommendations for anybody that's listening? That's like, well, okay, okay how do I learn about placentas then? Or how right. do I develop these beliefs that are n- foreign to me?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, we live in the age of information. Kids, yes, we do. <laughs> so I mean, Google it, but be careful. Yeah. <laughs> YouTube has a lot of great information out there. Like a lot of doctors that put specific like videos together. Mm-hmm. I mean, it might not all be truth, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, The one website that I refer to a lot is Evidence Based Birth.
0: Love that. Yeah,
1: (laughs) Rebecca Decker is the one who started it many years ago, and she is very knowledgeable in the medical community. You know, she's she definitely leans more toward the natural, just because. Hello, it's a natural process. Yeah, but it's not because. She thinks natural is better or anything. She's just like the evidence is showing that if we leave the uh-huh. mom alone, we have a better outcome. Mm-hmm. And that has to do with everything having to do with pregnancy and labor and delivery. But she actually has the evidence to back up what she's saying. So yeah.
0: I feel like when I've, um, she has a podcast Mm evidence-based birth and then she, like Trish said, she has her website. I feel like every time that I've read an article or listened to her podcast, it feels pretty unbiased. And like you said, it does tend toward the natural, Mm -hmm. but not because that's her preference necessarily, but because that's what the evidence is showing. Right. So there's a good resource. And yeah, like Trish said, google it just be careful of whatever you're finding yeah maybe double check whatever you're finding but
1: if it's a very medical resource like website page Mm -hmm. then i mean it's like if you want to research consider the source (laughs) yeah you're not probably going to go to the cdc (laughs) because it's going to be a very biased opinion Mm -hmm. maybe do maybe go to that website and then maybe go to one that is really like breaking things down and looking at the mm-hmm. real science behind vaccines, you know, so. So that you can compare the two. Yeah. And and see how it feels to you. Go mm-hmm. with your mama gut, you know. How does it feel when you read a certain thing? Yeah. Did that make sense to you? Did that make you feel better? Or did that make you go, "Ooh, I don't like that. Yeah. Well,
0: and providing yourself with information helps your intuition be stronger almost.
1: Of course, yeah. Because
0: if you don't know what you're trying to make a decision about. If you don't know anything, your intuition can't tell you anything Mm -hmm. because you don't know.
1: Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So, so yeah, do your research and, you know, just make sure whatever you're researching is something that makes you feel good. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Anyway, a little bit of a sidetrack there, but it felt important to touch on. For sure. All right, everybody, that is all that we have time for today. Stay tuned next week for our part two Thank you so much for listening. Check us out on Instagram at the Birth Village Podcast. If you want to get in contact with us, you're welcome to reach us there. You can reach us at thebirthvillagepodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Anything you have to say, questions, comments, uh, any suggestions for episodes or anything like that, feel free to hit us up. If you would like to share this episode with your friends, we would be so grateful for that. And remember that empowered women empower women.